Christmas to you. This is Donna Otto, and we are modern homemakers. And between the time of Thanksgiving and Christmas, every year we pause to talk about things that have to do with Jesus. Now, we're always talking about things that have to do with Jesus, but at this time of the year, it's the celebration of Jesus' birthday. I know Santa's coming, too. It's also the reminder that What is already but not yet? Already Jesus has come, but not yet for the second time. And so we talk about these things during the month of Advent. What does it look like to prepare our hearts for his coming? We get into the scripture and we read so many places, particularly in the Gospels, but a lesson I'm was going to do this year and I didn't about the power of the book of Isaiah. So if you, if you want to read Isaiah, you say, what should I read during Christmas this year? Or, well, the kids are off school. Well, Isaiah is an extremely interesting book and it models the Bible. Okay. So there are 66 books and 66 chapters in Isaiah. There are two divisions in it, and they model the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And some people have called Isaiah uh, uh, the first, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The first New Testament. I think that's the right phrase. All of this to say is that we read these portions of Scripture again and again, and in a couple of days, I want to talk to you about that iteration, that iteration. I, do you ever feel like, oh, I read that, Luke 2, been there, Luke 2, I, I, I know everything in it. Yes, you've read that before, I've read that before, we've heard it read to us, but I want to encourage you to make some time in the weeks we have left and the days we have left to talk to your children, to read aloud to your children, for you and your husband to read together some of these accounts and see what they feel like today, because they feel different to me than they did a year ago. And today and tomorrow, I want to look at two passages, both out of Luke, Luke 1, verse 26 through 33, and I'm going to read those verses to you from Eugene Peterson's The Message. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Oh, isn't that, doesn't that make you just want to pause and say, what must it felt like to be young Mary and an angel greeted her? Remember, angels are messengers of God. Remember that angels are above man and below God. They're big dudes. He says, good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, 
wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel answered her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. Kind of a big surprise, don't you think? I read this in this version and I think, surprise ought to be highlighted, exclamation marks all around it, maybe in in red. It's not. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. And Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never even slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. Does that phrase sound different to you this year? It's not quite the end of the pandemic year. It's not quite the end of the pandemic living. But do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? Do you believe that in the world you will have trouble? He told us that. God is not here to make us uh, be free of our troubles. God is here to walk with us in our troubles. Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. And then the angel left her. Well, in the next few months, I'm going to be talking about women in the Bible. And it, it came to me as the notion of how was Mary listening? And as we've been talking this first semester of the year about listening for love and learning, what kind of posture would you have if you were a teenage young girl and an angel, Gabriel, comes to you and tells you that you are going to be a mother. So I want to talk to you this year, as I did a few days ago, about the women of Christmas, but today about Mary alone. She's pledged as a virgin to be married to Joseph, who is a descendant of David, and the angel comes to her, and in more common language you will have heard her say, you are highly favored. Now, it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and God had sent the same angel, Gabriel, to Zechariah. And when the angel says, do not be afraid, uh, angels always say, do not be afraid. If you ever run into an angel in the scripture, know that his first words are going to be not afraid, do not be afraid. That's because they're fearsome to look at. Mary was troubled with his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel responds to that because he knows her and he says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Uh, every, every phrase I read in this passage, I want to ask about five questions. You have found favor with God. What does that actually mean to this woman and in this moment? But he keeps going with you will conceive a child and give birth. And then she says, but how can that be? You see, I'm still a virgin. Now, I may be young, I may not have um, a telephone or Google to check out research, 
but I know what it means to have a baby, and you can't do that when you're a virgin. Like, that defies all laws. I suspect that Mary was smart. I, I think I've always thought that she was not um, the lowest student in her classroom, that she had the ability to put two and two together and find out that that was four. And so she now says, how can I do that? And, and he responds by saying, I- I'm going to tell you how you're going to do that, that God is going to do it. And she leaves and says, okay. And the angel Um, the Holy Spirit will come unto you. He calls her highly favored. And then Mary goes into what is called the Magnificat. And these are her words. Now, we don't know how much time this took. Were Gabriel and Mary together in a room for four hours? Or as long as it takes me to read these words? We, We really don't know the details of it. This is a Holy Spirit holy from God, unusual, never-to-happen-again experience. But Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. The poor Jewish girl had been chosen by God to bring the Messiah into the world. And then she says, From now on, all, all generations will call me blessed. She is one smart cookie, she has just figured out what's happening to her. If this angel is right, is going to be something that will never happen again. From generation to generation, she will be different. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants. So there are these two Angelic announcements. I mentioned this the other day. Isn't it interesting that the high priest, Zechariah, married to Elizabeth, who came from a long line of high priests, says, whoa, whoa, wait. No, that's, this cannot be. My woman is old. We cannot. This cannot happen. We have been trying for a very long time. If in a word he sounds doubtful, at least. And what happens to him is that he goes away mute for the entire pregnancy term. He's questioning, he's doubting. And Mary, by all indications, immediately believes and accepts it. And more than that, she, so it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to have a baby. It's another thing to believe that this is an angel. It's another thing to recognize, boom, she recognized that this was a thing of God and she bows to worship him. She bows to worship him. So what happens next is, is one of my very favorite people in the Bible. Uh, you know, we all get favorite people that we read and we reread and we wonder what their story really is. And this is again in Luke. And it happens uh, after Jesus is eight days old and after Mary's purification has been 40 days. Now, I'm going to give you that back in a minute, but I'm going to read to you chapter 2. Help me to find my way here. Chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword 
will pierce your own soul too. The consolation of the coming of the Messiah. Simeon, this old man who's in the temple praying. He's been praying and waiting. Oh, waiting, waiting. Raise your hand if you love waiting. I, I know, no one raised their hand, but waiting is a part of our world. The Psalm 130 reminds us that we are to be waiting and watching, waiting and watching. And Simeon is a perfect illustration of that. He has been waiting and watching for the Messiah. And God, in his gifting, gives Simeon the blessing of seeing the Christ child and in this spiritual understanding and insight to the redemption that this child is going to cause. I, I want to jump up and down and like squeal. I, I want to think if I were Simeon or if I were watching this thing happen and if I liked him at all, if I liked Simeon at all, I would jump up and down. He says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that many of the thoughts of our hearts will be revealed. And Mary, and Mary, this marvelous thing about the child and your heart will be pierced like with a sword. I'm a mom. And I'm the spiritual mother to a lot of women. I've been absolutely honored to, to hold that name. I, I call these women in my world uh, daughters of my heart. I have one biological daughter and many daughters of my heart. And I think about Simeon's words and how he, he prayed and was available. And he understood what was happening and he wanted to see the Messiah. Everyone wanted to see the Messiah. But in God's sweet gifting, he says to Simeon, this is, is for you. And Jesus' ministry is going to turn the world upside down. But for his mother, Mary, Mary, great Mary, who is most highly esteemed, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, in the world, but he throws in the last comment that her heart will be pierced. Her soul will be pierced. She will suffer. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Mary understood the significance of the coming of the Messiah. Everybody did. She heard the angel's words when he came to speak to her. She didn't understand the Jerusalem religious elite would turn against him. This was beyond her comprehension because it had never happened before because we were looking for a Messiah that looked different than this Messiah. And now he didn't fit. And I'm not going to spend another minute on that, but all through the scripture, the Gospels, we see how Jesus was bruised and abused. But did Mary understand all of that when she said yes? Her great answer to the invitation to be the mother of the Savior, did she understand that when she said yes? Did she understand what she was going to watch happen to her son? And here she is now, uh, the most blessed, perhaps the most blessed woman in human history. So I want, I want to ask, answer and ask a couple of questions about Mary's role. Was she divine? She was not. She was not. Is it proper to pray to her? 
No. Uh, she was a sinner who needed a savior, just like the rest of us. Rather than teach that Mary was sinless, the Bible gives quite a lot of evidence that she was a very normal person. And I think if we take Mary and make her uh, a savior, a sinless person, an abnormal person, then the whole birth, the whole recognition, her whole yes to the invitation is marginalized because, of course, she's going to say yes. She's an angel or a saint or perfect. Instead, this is one human being. And she says, from now on, all these generations will call me blessed. That's because she was a normal person. If she was sinless, she would not need a savior. So that passage would be wiped. If she was sinless, she wouldn't need this gentle rebuke from her son. When did her son rebuke her? He says to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. And you know, there are a couple of places when I think Jesus is kind of sassy. You know, he says to his mother, show respect. And who but a Jewish boy shows respect to his mother? The other place is when he says they come to bring Mary and his brothers and they say, your mother and brothers and sisters are here. And he says, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Those who do the will of the Lord. So he kind of sasses back to them. If she was omnisciently defined, divine, then she couldn't be confused. So... What does this woman have to do with me? Jesus recognizes again her her humanity. Why are you searching for me, Jesus says, when he's lost in the temple at 12 years old. And he says, I'm about my father's business. Mary's looking for him because Mary's human, wondering what the heck happened to her 12-year-old kid. God, who is divine, is doing his father's work, and his spirit rejoices in God. In fact, after the miraculous birth of Christ, is this not a carpenter's son? Is that what we call Jesus? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? All of these people are part of the fact that Mary was human. Mary clearly, um, teach, the scripture clearly teaches that Mary and Joseph have children and she is a regular woman, a regular mom. A regular woman, a regular mom. The only instruction Mary gave, and, his, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding, the only time that she gives this he says to her, my hour is not yet come. But on the third day, the wedding took place, and Mary was there, and Jesus does perform his first act. We see many other patterns in Mary's life. She was greatly blessed by God. She was humble. She was a sinner in need of the Savior. I, like you, find the whole thing overwhelming. Like, what part of this could I understand that God in his perfect plan, and we have not seen the whole plan revealed and unfolded. I'm sure there'll be many things we may not be interested in them when Jesus returns that will be clarified in why he chose a woman, why he decided to come into a mother's uterus and be living there for nine months and come through the birth canal. We know that Mary, no matter how humble we are, no matter how religious we are, no matter what our heritage is, we are like Mary. We are 
like Mary. And if she is the mother and God, a mother of God, we are like Mary in light that we are called. We are given this body to house children, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of women, millions of women around the world. I love the line that's so oftenly quoted, and that is that um, they drop them in the fields and go back to work, and sometimes we lose them on the table because they cannot survive the pregnancy. This is a common event in the lives of women, bearing and having children. And God, in his ultimate design, chose Mary, Mary the most blessed of women, who became the mother to the God of the universe. And when she gets to the temple, Simeon, who's been there praying, sees her, he acknowledges her, he affirms her, and he gives her the news that her heart will be pierced. Scripture doesn't give us much more to know what she felt or how she dealt with that. I think her humility would certainly make us understand that she was the kind of woman who did what she did when the angel first came, said yes, and then pondered these things in her heart. So this Christmas, think of Simeon, dear Simeon. We're going to talk a little bit more about him the next time we're together. And think of dear Simeon and the role that he had in Mary's life, the role he had in Jesus's life, the role he has in our life, and um, the role that God chose to put him in by letting him see the Messiah. Well, I'm Donna Otto, and I do love talking about all things celebratory of the birth of Christ. And I pray that you will be encouraged this season to make time to read the Christmas story aloud, to speak the name of Jesus in a way that it would acknowledge that this is his birthday. We prepare to celebrate his birthday, and we prepare to wait for his second coming. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out make a very uncommon day of recognizing the birth of Christ through a woman.